0: Welcome to Machine Learning, On the Road with David Nishimoto. Um, Return back to some of my original format, just uh, talking about the subject of artificial intelligence. I'm going to propose that um, artificial intelligence is not the doomsday, turn the world into gray goo, the end of all life, even though it has the potential to be the hive mind has the potential to be very destructive. Um, I'm going to say that because of the arguments of super symmetry, that entropy won't occur for artificial intelligence. I don't think that man is going to be superseded by AI, but I think AI will definitely not fall into entropy or, um, nihilism uh, or nihilism. And uh, so what can we expect from artificial intelligence? Well, first, I think we can expect that it's going to be a tool. Um, The computer was a tool of the mind. And uh, we were able to create a um, ASCII character base, hexadecimal character representation of the encoding of the binary and then through programming languages and computer theory and and, uh, regular expressions, we were able to create compilers. Uh, Compilers exist because operating systems existed and we needed a language for uh, programming operating systems. Uh, And as the operating systems uh, were independent, we needed to have networks And so networks uh, were created with hardware devices called routers and bridges and gateways, each of them playing different roles, a router uh, taking packets and uh, routing it to um, to the next neighbor, Uh, a bridge handling different protocols on the network communication. So the kind of an encoding decoding and gateways, Uh, giving you access to the internal routers. And so when you look at these architectures and the way information is flowing, if you look at neural nets as another form of network where it receives inputs and it um, produces results or outputs or routes to other network types or classifiers, or statistical models or data models, then you could you might say that this is the next generation of network, is the neural network. And uh, so the level of automation and uh, rules and responsive adaptive um, behaviors of the network are a product of increased hardware computational capabilities like NVIDIA's um, GPU calculations, uh, Tesla's FSD fully self-driving cars, um, Intel's chip, uh, Micron's new chip, memory, faster memory, larger blocks of memory capable of transferring higher amounts of data at faster speeds. These all give to increased computational capabilities but also they increase the network. So. If you looked at the original claim of artificial stupidity I said that there were two things that artificial intelligence would be effective in, and that was the voice recognition and the network. And so if you classify a neural network as a really a network type, then uh, it it survives in the artificial stupidity paradigm. Um, So what can we expect from artificial intelligence? Other than the marketing that's going to be behind it, and the incredible number of companies, startup companies that are building functionality using the new network topology, I think what we can expect is a uh, increase in brain power. This uh, will make us smarter. We're not smarter in the sense that we get new neurons or we get more inspiration, but it's giving us better visibility into um, behaviors of data, trends, classifications of the data. We're getting a better understanding of the data itself. And you might argue, well, companies really don't want to understand their data. They just want to tell a story. And I think politically that is correct, that uh, data is used to tell a story. Um, You don't want to bring bad data to people's attention because it makes them upset. and, uh, And if they don't ask for it, they don't want it. So, in some ways, we do live in silos still, where the machine may be revealing there were problems in the data, but we don't necessarily bring that forward because it's not politically popular in the company. So there is a survival element to a data data scientist's job. But dismissing that somewhat and looking at the potential for what AI can do, imagine if uh, I read an article about how Um, AI was used to create and design for Boeing and they were trying to figure out a a wall and they were looking gave the computer uh, the reinforcement uh, learning net which was trying to achieve a goal the goal to reduce the amount of uh, material but keep the strength and um, the functionality of the wall Equivalent. So the neural net ran multiple simulations and then returned one that it felt was or evaluated as the best. And it looked very organic. And so one of the things that I would say about neural nets is that they are going to produce organic shapes. Um, if neural nets were applied to construction, which largely is... Very rectangular your house is very as a series of rectangles and um, there are sl- slight uh, angles on the, some of the walls curves on the hallways and so forth to give it a more of a modern look but you rarely get a round building because it just takes so much effort and so much more labor to cut the materials to fit a round shape versus a square shape. But as neural nets and uh, AI comes into effect, it could optimize the living space. Um, You might be able to utilize space better if you had certain things that were cylindrical in shape versus uh, rectangular. And so the usability or the goals of the neural net could produce more of an organic looking structure for your architecture. And instead of using wood, maybe you use steel or some form of cement or um, a very strong polymer. And you're able to 3D digitally print your new home. So those are the things that are going to be very different in the future Is the role of robotics and building uh, living structures will produce designs that are very different from what we traditionally are familiar with. And that's always the new and kind of, maybe you might say terrifying aspect of artificial intelligence is we can't predict um, the out results. Another one done by Google's, uh, deep Brain, I believe, was one where they gave the reinforcement learning neural net the goal to uh, cross a certain terrain, had to jump certain barriers, it had to climb over certain steps, had a kinematic uh, physics engine connected to it, and what they found was that the bipedal motion, since the neural net could adapt the limb structures, that it created a elongated right leg uh, and used it as a platform for crossing over barriers more efficiently. Like it calculated the gap uh, between some of the columns that it was having to jump to and so it made this elongated leg in which it slided over um, almost as if you were using one leg to hop on or move forward and the other leg to slide so it'd be like if you had a, a ski on one leg and you had your other leg was used to run with and It ran millions of simulations. Uh, Some of the simulations it tried were having short legs, uh, but then as it it found that there were certain imperfections in crossing over barriers and it needed counterweights and it uh, it needed a platform to slide over a open gap, it built a leg that was elongated like a ski. ski. And so efficiently, as you looked at the percentage on terms of its operation, the amount of energy required to cover the same uh, treacherous terrain, you might conclude that the AI was more efficient because of its adaption and structure. Now, we don't adapt that way. We don't change our limb structures to our terrain. Uh, But, you know, in some ways, we do affect our physiology by our diets. So if we're going to have a diet high in calcium, we're going to possibly... And we have genetics that allow for uh, high, high growth in terms of height then we're gonna be taller. In some countries, there's uh, genes that people are uh, born with that have a shortness gene. So they end up to be uh, the height of a pygmy. And so they might be very short, under uh, five feet. Some may be close to four feet. And so there's a shortness gene. Uh, And so in terms of adaption, they don't, we don't genetically alter our limbs, our arms don't become longer, our legs don't become longer. But there are some athletes who have longer legs than other athletes. Uh, some have faster twitch muscles, allowing them to sprint quicker. Some of them have uh, genetics that allow them to run longer, faster, with and remove their lactic acid quicker. So they're able to endure um, long-run distance running and uh, can repeat that feat many times. And so nature does have some levels of adaption that give uh, advantages in the physiology. But for the most part, our bodies do not change our limb structures. So AI, The designs on AI will be somewhat startling. They will be different. Um, The goals in which they're trying to achieve will produce designs that are gonna be radically different than what we're familiar with. Um, I did read about this one company that uh, used IOT devices on the car. They ran the car through really harsh terrain. think it was the Baja desert and uh, they recorded all this information from these IOT device um, devices gathering information stress factors temperature uh, things that might you know break a welding link on a piece of metal and they returned this vast amount of data and then they gave the computer the goal to create a design that could best adapt to the stresses of that terrain. And the computer generated a still structure um, and it looked very organic uh, and uh, didn't have the popular sh- shielding. It was like more like a dune buggy but a very different looking dune buggy than what you and I are familiar with and lots of uh, crisscrossing and um, structures for dealing with stress. Um, Computers can learn from other computers so one of the things that was interesting that NASA did is they collected information about trains through their satellites and they were corrected, collected high-resolution trains. I think it was 21,000 pixels by 10,000-pixel images, and they covered most of the Earth with this high-digital imaging. And so they wanted to see if they could train one machine on what a train looks like. And so they... Uh, they passed over different sectors. They ignored oceans. Uh, they, they looked for things that might be considered uh, terrains like mountains, valleys, uh, canyons, some form of uh, contour or contrast in the contours. And they trained one machine on the, uh, what the, the terrain should look like. They took a second machine and used that machine to generate trains randomly. So it just kind of did a fractal-like terrain. And then they had the machine that was generating the terrain be evaluated by the machine that was trained on what a train should look like, and it would give back a feedback of that it, whether it was a close match to a terrain what it thought would be a terrain topology versus a non-terrain and uh, the secondary machine we got so it got very good at generating these trains and after it, it had learned from the GAN network uh, then it could be used to produce terrains uh, on its own by self-generation. Now I thought that was very interesting uh, that it could uh, come up with and produce terrains on its own by learning from another machine what a terrain should be. And so similar to like the way animals learn, uh, there was a conditioning or a conditioned response learning mechanism where the machine could learn by conditioning Um, and that's always been a a popular theory on how machines could learn is by conditioning with human being knowledge or from uh, classifiers that can learn unsupervised uh, on their data and so deep learning has a very valuable place in our world for learning what different types of shapes or behaviors or trends are standard, and then machines can learn to generate based on those standards from each other. And so they can learn at incredibly fast speeds, and they can do use millions of simulations like OpenAI does to learn uh, the rules and to uh, form strategies to achieve their goals. If you look at neural nets as a strategy, um, they seem to be capable of producing lots of things that are valuable for us. So going back to um, the original premise that we talked about is that, you know, open AI or artificial intelligence should be considered a positive versus a negative. Ask yourself the question, why was there more matter in the universe than non-matter? Why is plasma the most plentiful substance in the universe? Our universe is electrical based and, So the fact that it is electrical-based suggests that there is all kinds of space where there is matter. There is probably no space where there is not matter. And where there's space, there has to be time. So if there is not space, there is not time. If there's not time, there's not space. So there's this tautology argument that's going on. So why was matter winning over non-matter in the symmetry and that's always been the, the question and someone said well it was just a, a product of its initial start you know there was a complexity element there was chaos that occurred and uh, you know matter one up one over and non-matter and and the, the cancellation uh, equivalence of non-matter canceling out matter was such that uh, there was more matter that eventually resulted causing this state that we have now called our universe. But it seems really strange in my mind to make this argument of randomness that matter uh, increases over non-matter and and uh, due to some initial condition, it just was lucky that matter won. I think that it's more like that the the supersymmetry and like if you look at even at your face if you take one side of your face is different from your other side so your left side of your face is different from your right side of your face and uh, yet yeah, when we look at our face as a whole we have an entity there's an identity there and uh, it seems to balance we don't say well that my left side of my face looks really strange to my right side it seems to blend and uh, the universe seems to be moving um, in a in a uh, homogeneous form uh, it's r- moving at a constant speed it's not accelerating the einstein theory of accelerating universe is wrong we don't have an accelerating universe matters are dark matter and matter is not causing the universe to accelerate Redshifts are not the product of accelerating universe in this case. Um, And so some of our assumptions about the universe are probably wrong. And uh, as we start to theorize about you know what could be the right theory of the universe, um, we're gonna get more accurate theories that explain the, uh, the universe. Because if the universe was expanding and accelerating, then time would be slowing down. And so we should see that according to the theory of relativity, we should start seeing that our time clocks are slowing down as we're accelerating as the earth is accelerating. So if that were the case, then there would be some point in time where time would be very slow, uh, or if it went to infinity, Uh, if our speed went to the speed of light then our time would go to zero so that would require an infinite power source and our mass uh, either would reduce to nothing like a photon or uh, something would change with our our matter that allow us to travel at that speed but uh, anyway going back to this idea of AI Falling into entropy. The human brain does not fall into entropy. Now, most everything in our universe does fall into entropy. Uh, when we talk about information theory, uh, we want information gain when we are looking at systems. But if you're if you have high periods of entropy, you'd have one thing that was uh, red and one thing that was green, and so that we have 100% entropy at that point and our brains don't seem to be moving towards entropy. Um, Now you could argue that as we get older our brains get more efficient because our neurons die and as more of our neurons die the remaining neurons are left to process more of the information so they must process it more efficiently. But you'll notice that as you get older uh, your thought processes are slower and but uh, they still are capable of doing a vast amount of work, and so the efficiency of those neurons increased. And so, the the brain does seem to defy uh, entropy in the universe, where other things are breaking down, decaying. Suns are are burning out. Uh, helium to hydrogen to helium conversion processes are are eventually exhausted. And so there's entropy in the universe. Um, And so if the neural nets are modeled after the brain, then it seems like that the neural net, the network itself, would not fall into entropy. Now, to date, there hasn't been no stable network um, that has been able to be created that would operate by itself in perpetuity. So that's like the perpetual motion machine. It doesn't exist. Um, now they tried to build a digital network with ones and zeros and see if it could propagate and then remain stable, but it also fell into chaos. And so that if you look at our brains, uh, we, our brain mechanism and our spirits combine to create a stable system. And so Perhaps if we were to argue that there was no spirit, then I would say there would be no, no uh, stable system possible. Not even our brains would be possible. And I think you'll see that with neural nets, is that the neural nets cannot sustain a perpetual stable system forever. And so they need to have human beings to provide stability. So again, I come back to the argument Machines cannot survive without humans. Humans provide the financial and material resources necessary for machines to exist. And so that the idea of machine takeover is, um, is absurd because it would re- result in the annihilation of everything.